0: Welcome to Occupied Thoughts, a podcast brought to you by the Foundation for Middle East Peace. I'm Kristen McCarthy, and I'm the Director of Grants and Operations at FMEP. Today, January 20th, we are diving into the details of the coalition agreements which bind together the new Israeli government. I'm honored to have with me today Suhad Bashara, the Legal Director of Adala, who specializes and just got her PhD in land and planning rights. Adela, the Legal Center for Human Rights, is an incredibly important Palestinian organization in Israel, fighting on a multitude of fronts um, for the rights of Palestinians. Please take the time to learn more about Adela if you don't already. Sahad, thanks so much for joining me today. You're
1: welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah,
0: so we're here today because Adela recently published a really concise and clear comprehensive breakdown of what Adala says are 11 of the key points within co- the coalition agreements that need that we all need to be paying attention to. Um, so I'm gonna include a link to that paper in the episode notes and on the FMEP website. Please check it out um, because there's no way we're gonna cover all the details in that paper today. Um, but it bears it reminding all of our listeners that this new Israeli, gov- Israeli government is composed of six separate parties Um, And each of those parties include extreme platforms and politicians, some of whom are openly racist, anti-democratic, anti-LGBTQ, Islamophobic, misogynist, and and authoritarian. Um, With respect to Palestinians, ministers in the government, including Basil El-Smotrich and Itamar Ben-Gavir, they gleefully speak about annexation and increasing the violence Um, the everyday violence that Palestinians experience in Israel, Jerusalem, the West Bank, and Gaza. So, so Suhad, I want to start by asking you to explain the significance of the government's fundamental guiding principle. Let's start there. Um, This was articulated by Prime Prime Minister Netanyahu, who stated that, um, and I quote, the Jewish people have an exclusive and inalienable right over all the lands of Israel, unquote. So can you just talk to us about what this means? And um, I'm particularly interested to hear from you what difference, if any, this fundamental guiding principle makes compared to previous Israeli governments. What's new here?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, well, this is indeed the guiding principle through which we read the coalition agreement and the commitments of the current government. And this declaration, I have to say, Uh, goes uh, further and beyond the problematic principles uh, that were enshrined in the 2018 Jewish nation uh, state law. For those who followed it, I remind uh, article one of the law defines self-determination as exclusive to the Jewish people within the state of Israel, uh, which indicates among many other issues. Uh, to an unequal citizenship between Jews and Palestinians uh, in uh, living in the city of Israel. So the new government uh, guidelines, however, declares an exclusive right to the Jewish people in all of the territory that Israel controls, uh, which is considered uh, by the government and many others. The land of Israel, Mandati, Palestine, or Israel, and the OPTs, Uh, if you wish and and this means majorly and very briefly uh, three main things one is the denial of self-determination control subjugation and oppression of the Palestinian people whether they are citizens of the state of Israel whether they are Palestinians under military regime and occupation and whether they are Palestinian uh, refugees the second is the principle of Jewish uh, supremacy and racial separation between Jews and the Palestinians in the entire territory under Israel's uh, control, which uh, brings me to the last uh, point, a territorial Judaization. As uh, 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 the second part of this uh, guiding principle declare, declares that the government will promote and develop settlement in all parts of the land of Israel, the Galilee, the Negev, the Golan, the Syrian, Occupied territory uh, and uh, the West uh, uh, Bank. So, um, this is uh, definitely a deterioration in the concept of a Jewish self determination over the entire territory of the land Israel. That is clearly stated. I mean, it's clearly, it was part of the ongoing policy of the successive Israeli governments for decades. Uh, But now this is clearly stated and which uh, will uh, lead us politically and legally to uh, further deterioration, further acceleration in the settlement policies, uh, segregation, uh, second-class citizens, and and everything that you want.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm glad you raised this concept of Jewish supremacy, which is a framework that here at FMEP we've been doing some programming around to kind of unpack and explain the importance of as a framework and operative framework for kind of understanding um, what's happening in Israel that goes beyond just apartheid. Um, So thank you for raising that. And I wish we could dig in even more. (laughs) Um, And I also wanted to say that what, you know, that on that last piece um, that you're kind of talking about, if this makes a difference between past governments that it's like, it's a yes and a no, right? The success of Israeli governments, these have been the policies, but not stated quite as bluntly. And you reminded me of something that um, Dr. Yara Hawari, who's a Palestinian analyst who works for Al Shabaka recently wrote in Al Jazeera. I'm gonna quote her here because it's, it's, I think gets to the point. Um, She writes that there has been no Israeli government that has actually upheld democracy. The Israeli democratic state is and always has been a myth and an illusion built to sustain the oppression of the Palestinian people and their continued dispossession, unquote. So I thought that was a really powerful um, one. And I'll include the link to her article as well in the episode notes. Um, Okay, so with that framework in mind, um, let's look at the policies that this coalition, this you know, um, these coalition deals have stated that are gonna impact Palestinians living inside of Israel as citizens of Israel um, within its 1967 borders, which doesn't include Jerusalemites who were not extended citizenship. Um, so tell us, what does this new coalition deal say about how um, these the new government, which again is formed and led by extremist politicians, will be dealing with its Palestinian citizens. I'm specifically curious and keen to hear about um, the overall framework, um, which from the jump has already criminalized waving the Palestinian national flag um, and has put Ben Gavir, uh, an anti-Arab racist and an indicted criminal in charge of policing Palestinians. So what are the specific policies that we should be paying attention to? Within. Yeah, I
1: mean, I mean, f- first, it's uh, very important uh, to note that any uh, change in the policies vis-à-vis the Palestinian citizens, any new enactments uh, to realize uh, the government's commitment in this regard, will have an effect on the Palestinians living in, in illegally annexed East Jerusalem as Israeli law is imposed on them as a result of the illegal annexation. So it will have a wider effect in this regard, including in parts of the uh, occupied territories. Now, the insight into the coalition agreement um, basically marks the Palestinian citizens of Israel as a strategic threat. Uh, Some would say uh, second class uh, citizens, but I think it, goes uh, strategically beyond second class uh, citizens. Uh, having said that the government is uh, committed to promoting among many other things and, and we don't have time to list all of them, but I will highlight some of them. Uh, first a policy of segregation and racial discrimination um, and fundamental rights, including citizenship, uh, right to family life, uh, land and allocation, uh, housing, budgeting, services, law enforcement, every uh, sphere of life and connection between citizen and uh, state. Uh, We're talking about racial domination, which uh, manifests itself in uh, violence and oppression, including the relaxation of open fire uh, regulations, uh, deep uh, and institutional uh, politicization of the police, law enforcement agencies, Uh, exemption from criminal liability uh, for police officers and shoulder uh, soldiers, increased uh, severity of punishment uh, in certain uh, criminal offenses. Um, It's basically further institutionalization of the two-tiered system of governance, uh, including law enforcement, uh, which differentiates between Jewish, Israelis, and Palestinian uh, citizens, uh, which also extends, of course, uh, obviously, to the West Bank. Um, Limitation on on freedom of expression, um, delegitimization of Palestinian identity. You mentioned the prohibition uh, on the the waving the Palestinian flag, which we are seeing only the beginning uh, of it, and additional restrictions on Uh, of course, freedom uh, of expression. Now, specifically in in relation, which is very important in in my point of view, uh, racialized uh, policing. And we know that Itamar Bengvir, the head of Jewish Power Party, is the new minister of what's called national security. And uh, to enable uh, him to implement uh, his policies and views in this regard, uh, an amendment to the police law or police ordinance was uh, enacted, uh, basically allowing him to set the policies, including investigation policies of the um, police law enforcement uh, body, which should be independent, which is not. Yeah. Uh, again, um, excessively and successively, the police has proved has politicized all along for decades, uh, was granted impunity all along um, in, in relation to uh, lethal use of uh, power and uh, ammunition, live ammunition against Palestinian demonstrators, and so on, but this is part of the long history uh, in the relationship between the police and the Palestinian citizen, but it will be, um, much more. Uh, I mean, Benghvir has stated uh, very clearly that he wants to enact a law that grants impunity for all security forces. That includes police officers uh, and soldiers uh, in this regard. So they won't uh, worry when they hold their weapons uh, to shoot uh, in order to kill. Uh, He says that we need to support the security forces doing their uh, job so uh, we're talking about very extreme uh, measures we are talking about uh, capital punishment enacted in law and designed to uh, capture only uh, palestinians uh, in this regard um, increase punishments about uh, against uh, um, uh, basically criminal offenses that uh, is identified by ben and many other governmental uh, officers and ministers uh, as uh, uh, (laughs) arabo-Palestinian offenses. So we're talking about racialized police units in this regards, and we already have uh, some functioning in the Nakab, the have unit, the Mustaribin, or what's known as the Mustaribin, a police unit. So, extremely deep racializing of uh, the police, its functionality, full impunity, uh, and so on. So, unfortunately, we expect to see much more oppression, uh, much more violence. And full impunity in this regard, and taking uh, uh, into consideration that we are witnessing for decades uh, policy of impunity, we will see it uh, much more enacted in law now.
0: Yeah, can I? Um, I want to ask you, um, taking advantage of your expertise in land rights and planning. Um, I think our listeners might be. Familiar, particularly if they subscribe to our settlement report about Israeli policies and actions regarding land in the West Bank and settlement expansion and de facto annexation. But I want to ask you about inside Israel because these coalition deals commit the government to Judaizing land inside of Israel. So, can you explain to me what that means? Like, what in practice that means? I think if the concept is clear. Um, but what in practice that means, and what are the like, where in Israel are, is at the forefront of efforts to Judaize more land, which is at the expense of Palestinians, right, and, and Bedouin?
1: Yeah, um, well, uh, well, it should be as a background, very short background, uh, public policy that promotes and expands process of of dualization and racial segregation uh, in residential areas in Israel now, um, vis-a-vis its citizens, Um, is is started since uh, day one, after the Nakba and after the establishment uh, of the state in 1948, and during the military regime imposed on the Palestinian citizens. the public authorities used the emergency regulations that were inherited from the British mandate to displace Palestinians, uproot their villages, and establish and expand settlements and and Jewish exclusive control over most of the land resources. Now, after the end of the military regime, the policy did not end. It just took the form of uh, official Civil policy conducted through public authorities such as the Israel Land Authority, governmental decisions, and laws that facilitate segregation and, and Jewish local authorities' control over most of the land resources in Israel. Keep in mind that 93% of the land within the borders of the State of Israel is state state-owned. That includes the Jewish national funds. Uh, 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 owned land in uh, in Israel. A lot of these, of course, are Palestinian-confiscated land that were confiscated in the early 50s uh, under Israeli law, including the Palestinian refugees' uh, properties. Um, So so this is not a a new policy. However, uh, in this context, uh, the government, as well as previous governments, uh, are prioritizing the uh, Naqab, the Negev, and the Galilee regions. We are talking about two regions that have a quite large percentage of the Palestinian uh, citizens of Israel. Uh, uh, so these areas are defined, because of the high percentage of Palestinians, these areas are defined as demographic challenge, yeah, with demographic challenge as, as, and as result that are defined as a strategic target uh, in this regard. Uh, so we are talking <laughs> basically about the expansion of the legal frameworks that uh, allows residential segregation on racial or national or religious uh, grounds. Is something known as the admissions committee's law that allows denial. Um, of to live in dozens of towns and on the basis of social and cultural unsuitability, uh, prioritizing benefits and assistance uh, and allocation of land and, and residence, groups of Jewish citizens uh, in a distinct matter, uh, either uh, through defining entitled groups as security forces employees, new immigrants, uh, and, and so on, which targets basically. Uh, Jewish citizens, um, legislative amendments that will allow uh, the newly nominated minister of Negev and the Galilee and the national resilience uh, to appoint representatives to the main uh, Israeli state authorities, which is uh, the Land uh, Authorities Council, uh, National Council, and um, uh, District Committees for Planning and Construction. Uh, which are the main uh, three public bodies uh, entrusted by law with and control in a highly centralized manner the land and planning policy in the state of Israel. Uh, this along with many other uh, measures that will be taken uh, to make sure uh, to maintain and deepen the segregation that already exists uh, in Israel between Palestinian and uh, Jewish citizens, and there are exceptions, which is the mixed cities mainly, uh, like Akka, Haifa, Tel Aviv-Yaffa, and, and some other, uh, and maintain exclusive uh, control of the vast majority of the land within the jurisdiction of Jewish uh, local authorities. Why Jewish? Because of the segregation. So it's one system that feeds into the other in this regard.
0: So I'm curious if you can, in a nutshell, what what is the message that Palestinian citizens of Israel are hearing from this new government? I mean, what is what's the? <laughs> I mean, to live under this huge framework of oppression, like what what is that message?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, again, as I mentioned, uh, uh, this government. Uh, uh, clearly indicates uh, that there is only one legitimate group under its control, which is the Jewish people that are entitled to exclusive uh, self-determination. Everyone else, which is mainly the Palestinians, but uh, not only. We are talking about asylum seekers also, uh, and and so on, uh, are considered a strategic threat. And from there, everything uh, draws into policies that will realize the exclusive uh, self-determination of the Jewish people, We realize that uh, there is exclusive Jewish control on as much territory as possible on both sides of the Green Line, uh, which means, um, which determines uh, the violation of uh, Palestinian rights. Uh, on both uh, collective uh, level, right to self determination uh, in Israel and the West Bank, and individual level, uh, of course. Uh, we will see more uh, land confiscations. Uh, we will see uh, more oppression. Uh, we will see more restrictions on freedom of expression. Uh, we will see uh, much more uh, violence uh, with impunity uh, for the security forces on both sides of the Berlin Line. I mean, uh, we will see much more. Again, none of this is is new. We need to keep that in mind all the time. Uh, uh, Domination, oppression, and control, including territorial control, is nothing new that we haven't seen as Palestinian people on both sides of the green. The similarities are, um, it's hard to avoid them anymore, in terms of policies, in terms of conceptions, in terms of what, state of Israel or the successive governments of Israel want uh, uh, to reach. Uh, however, what this government is doing is first of all stating it uh, very clearly, which is not necessarily something bad for the Palestinians, including citizens and in uh, uh, the West Bank under occupation. Uh, but uh, what is unique in this regard, that the government is committed to enshrine all of these, in law, to enshrine all of a lot of these policies and commitments in basic, ways, which means a constitutional legal framework, which makes it harder to challenge, which makes it uh, harder uh, to change, uh, which is done to remain. It will be hard to reverse it also in terms of laws and constitutional framework, also in terms of. Uh, the reality uh, on the ground. Uh, so they are working on all levels to keep this system functioning for uh, the uh, Jewish domination all over uh, Mandate Palestine, in Israel, and in the occupied. Yeah.
0: Thank you for for that kind of. Bigger picture look and um, perspective again as we kind of weave our way into some of the detailed policies. Um, I want to, I want to come back to a part, something you just touched on that under these, n- under this new, as has always been the case, reversing the the damage inflicted by these policies has always been seemingly you know, it's, it's hard to dismantle a settlement. It's only been done a few times. It's hard to dismantle. So I, I, I want to come back to that. Um, what possibility it is there, there is for remedy, um, to close, but I want, I do want to talk about West, the West bank, um, because there's been so much discussion about the new role that Smotrich has and, um, the transferring of powers over settlers and planning, um, land planning in the West Bank from the Israeli army and defense ministry, which, um, you know, for now still has kind of a separate architecture of occupation um, that administers that area. I mean, on paper, at least. (laughs) Um, But now there seems to be, you know, I mean, there is, on paper, right, plans to to annex and um, apply Israeli sovereignty over the land. So, can you talk to us about um, what changes, you know, what should we be watching on that front? Um, how significant is it to you that that these plans are kind of unfolding um, as they are? Um, yeah, yeah um, that's a big question. But like, tell us what to watch in the West Bank. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, the aim, as uh, stated very clearly uh, in the coalition agreements, is is to formulate um, and promote a policy under which uh, Israeli sovereignty will be extended um, to occupied territories, to more occupied territories. Uh, Of course, we're talking about the West Bank. Uh, when Israel's national and international interests uh, so permit, however, uh, until that moment uh, comes, and we're talking about official uh, annexation, but like we have seen in, in previously in in, the, um, in East Jerusalem and in the Syrian Golan Heights, uh, there's a lot uh, on the government's uh, table to realize. Uh, this goal. Uh, We're talking about, I mean, pragmatic uh, uh, plans. We are talking about five-year plan between 2023 and 27 uh, for uh, the development and strengthening of the settlement in the West Bank uh, to be formulated uh, by the different ministries. Uh, We're talking about uh, regularization of the outposts and neighborhoods in the settlements. Uh, we are talking about uh, settlements that were built without official governmental decision, although they receive governmental uh, support in many forms. Uh, until uh, they are set in terms of planning, development, and, and Israeli permits, the government will work to promote uh, what they call a humanitarian solution, that will allow the outpost to be connected to electricity uh, for the purpose of providing you know, basic living conditions uh, needed for the settlers in these uh, outposts. Uh, We're talking about the strategic plan uh, uh, for the development of roads in the West Bank. Uh, uh, on the other, uh, the other, flip side of of the the same coin, we're planning to plant olive trees in area C to prevent takeover of areas by Palestinians. Obviously, um, individual farms, a strategy that they used in the naqab, uh, giving single Jewish family or individual even huge tracts of land to preserve them, so-and-so quote from Palestinian takeover. Again, this is something that is still used in the Naqab now, but they're moving the same strategy to the West Bank, it seems, um, amending that disengagement law in order to allow the existence of Homish and probably other future settlements in the north of the West Bank. Of course, we're talking about uh, strengthening, deepening uh, the Israeli sovereignty in uh, Jerusalem, including East Jerusalem, uh, and restricting um, any Palestinian activities uh, that are connected to the PA um, in this regard. And lastly, uh, in this context, um, if the Palestinian Authority uh, continues to take steps against Israel, before international tribunals, that includes, of course, the ICC, the ICJ, following the UN uh, recent uh, decision, Um, the government is committed to formulating policies and measures against the Palestinian Authority and against its action, including, of course, economic uh, measures. So on the one hand, you plan to do as the sovereign in the West Bank, on the other hand, to, Take measures to prevent any international activities against the war crimes that are committed basically in the West.
0: Thank you um, for laying so much of that out. It's just, it blows my mind to hear it all listed, <laughs> the totality of it. Um, and, you know, it's to hear side by side the policies of increased racial discrimination, segregation and um, policing increased brutality, the denial of Palestinian nationalism, even so much as waving a flag. And then on the other hand, this land policy that is just Israel controlling more and more and more and more of the land. It's like, it's, it's clear to me at least what the end objective here is, right? To have Palestinian life be untenable in Israel, West Bank and it already is in Gaza, which, we haven't even touched on, um, in this podcast and what this new government has to say about Gaza, um, which perhaps I'll have to have you back for a separate podcast on that one, because I want to turn to, um, you know, the predicament that Adala and like-minded organizations and, and human rights activists find themselves in. It's, um, another part of this coalition deal is, the judicial overhaul that's already started to on to, to proceed. Um, and in the past, Abdullah has brought a lot of key litigation before the Israeli Supreme Court. Of course, most um, infamously, the nation state law how two years ago now um, still ongoing. So, um, you know, so fighting on behalf of Palestinians on both sides of the green line. Um, and you've always fought to end the occupation in the West Bank and the blockade on Gaza, but given all of this judicial reform, um, I hope you can tell us like, what avenues are left for Palestinians, um, both citizens and non-citizens, to pursue their civil rights, as well as their right to self-determination.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, let's uh, okay, I'll start by explaining that Uh, In terms of the planned reform in the judicial system, uh, the government is aiming, obviously, to limit the powers of the judicial system, including the Supreme Court in Israel. This includes what's known as the override uh, uh, clause, which basically says that if uh, the Supreme Court strikes down uh, a law, the Israeli Knesset can reenact that law, and then it cannot be challenged a second time before the Supreme Court with a certain majority. Uh, I was talking about a law that will prohibit judicial challenge or view of basic laws. Basic law has sort of constitutional um, value, however, it can pass in the Knesset in any any, um, majority. Uh, doing away with uh, something called the reasonableness. Uh, Basically, any administrative decision made by any public official, including ministers, including the government itself, uh, should fall within the reasonableness uh, framework. It should be reasonable. It shouldn't be arbitrary. It shouldn't be discriminatory and so on. So they want to uh, eliminate uh, this uh, as part of judicial review uh, uh, challenging uh, the arbitrariness of uh, public decisions. And of course, we're talking about complete control over the judicial selection process um, to the government uh, in, in power. Now, these clearly have many implications on the state's institutional structure Um, separation of powers, independence of the judicial system in Israel, and and so on. Uh, And it will give full and almost absolute, if it is implemented eventually, it will give uh, full to almost absolute powers, uh, aimed to be granted for the legislative and the executive branches with, with minimal or even no judicial review. Uh, no checks and balances or or what's known as checks and balances through the judicial review. Now, we we need to keep in mind that over decades, the Israeli judicial system, including the Supreme Court, although very active in terms of uh, women, LGBT rights, it was less active uh, in relation to issues related to demography. For instance, uh, upholding the law that bans family unification, for example. Uh, Segregation, we spoke about the admissions committee is also upholding uh, or basically rejecting the uh, petition trying to challenge the constitutionality of the admissions committee's law that upholds the system of segregation in residential areas. Jewadization, an example I can give, uh, the Supreme Court decision to allow the displacement of Emil hiran and uh, uprooting of Emil al-Hiran, Bedouin, Palestinian village, in the Nakab in order to facilitate establishing and developing a Jewish uh, town on its uh, ruins. Uh, the same goes to the OPT and the Masaya decision from last summer issued by the Supreme Court, basically um, uh, giving green light to displace all of the Palestinian communities in Masafir Yatta and I want to give another example even when the court did strike down like for instance the regularization law that meant to retroactively uh, validate so-called the outpost when it struck down the law the supreme court in its decision offered alternative tools to confiscate Palestinian land to allow the uh, regularization of we're talking about uh, uh, a judicial system that uh, is politicized in this sense, where where there is there are core issues that relates to demography, Jewish majority, Jewish settlement, segregation, and Jewishization. The Supreme Court was less active, however. There. <clears throat> there was still a space not big certainly not huge and certainly narrow uh, for a judicial challenge and judicial challenge uh, could be a strategy by itself and could be part of a bigger uh, strategy that for the second time i i cannot go in now but it, there was a space of uh, let's call it uh, you know judicial maneuver trying to fix something, you cannot change policies, but you can change uh, laws, you can change uh, administrative uh, decision. Uh, However, we are talking about, again, a judicial um, space that is already uh, very uh, narrow, but even this very narrow judicial uh, space is going to be even narrower at all. Uh, existing in the future, uh, limiting the ability to legally challenge uh, new decisions, laws, and uh, so on. Again, you should consider this, you you should perceive this as as part of a puzzle. Uh, uh, We're talking about a government that wants to leave no gaps, it's determined in its policy, it has a very clear goals and aims, It has a very clear methods that includes uh, 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 structural uh, uh, changes, uh, law changes, amendments, uh, new laws, administrative changes, and so on. And it does not want to leave any gap uh, to uh, maneuver uh, any actions that might crack all of this uh, policy. This is why I say, I mean, the amendments and and, and the reforms that are planned to the judicial system is part of this uh, bigger picture. I mean, exactly, you should take it as a puzzle. You know, changes in the construction of ministries, legal changes, uh, judicial system, uh, status of the West Bank, status of the Palestinian citizens, all of this uh, should be perceived together to get uh, a full comprehension of of the full picture.
0: Okay, and I wanna end on that full, the full picture, which I think Adala lays out in this this paper and kind of ask you where you go with this. (laughs) Um, So the paper concludes um, that the new policies defined (laughs) in the coalition deals, and I'm quoting now, demonstrate the clear criminal intent of the coalition members to commit crimes under the Rome statute, including crimes against humanity, namely the crime of apartheid and war crimes, end quote. Um, So can you talk more about this end conclusion and this bigger picture? And um, what, where do you take this? What do you hope the international bodies um, are going to do?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, between the commitments of the government uh, to deepen and expand uh, violation of human rights, on both collective and individual uh, level, uh, impose racialized uh, supremacist policy, um, and the reforms in the judicial system and the intended amendments to existing laws and new ones and and so on. uh, Obviously, the government is saying that you have nothing to do uh, or to look for under Israeli politics, law, and jurisprudence. This is the very clear message uh, from the government's uh, commitments. And, and local uh, remedies for violation of human rights are not something that the government aspires for. And again, this is part of the, uh, uh, putting all of the pieces together and, and seeing the, the full uh, picture. Now, keep in, in mind that uh, the government's guiding principle that completely uh, eliminates the Green Line, trying to manifest manifest full control over uh, mandatory Palestine, Israel, and the West Bank uh, as one geographic uh, unit for the realization of the exclusive Jewish self-determination of the Jewish people uh, and the domination of the Palestinian people. This highlights the importance of the international tribunals and bodies. in the implementation of international law and upholding uh, human rights uh, in this regard. Of course, there are, uh, as you probably know, the procedures the see uh, and the investigation of uh, war crimes committed in the OPT to which uh, the guiding principles of the current government is of great importance for such an investigation. Uh, in this regard, you have the new decision of, yeah, of the new of the UN General Assembly from last month, in regard to the ICJ uh, opinion uh, on the legal consequences arising from Israel's ongoing violation of the human uh, rights of Palestinians, self determination, uh, prolonged occupation, and what this means in terms of uh, international law. Um, Aspiring, of course, to uh, the question or to the issue of the illegality of the occupation, which per se is not defined as illegal under international uh, humanitarian law, but under the circumstances of Israel's occupation and control over the West Bank, the aspiration is to get a legal (laughs) say that it is uh, not security considerations anymore. It is uh, illegal, which has many ramifications in this regard vis-à-vis, you know, UN member states and other international uh, bodies. Um, uh, So it has very clear importance. It's important also to address in this regard (coughs) the UN independent international commission of inquiry. uh, that basically it tries to have a deeper look and investigate Israeli policies on both sides of the Green Line. To remind you, this uh, was nominated um, by the UN uh, following the May 2001, uh, 2021 uh, uh, events and the uh, oppression and use of force that was used by the Israeli authorities. Uh, it's trying. Obviously, to look at the similarities and try to get to the essence and the root causes of uh, what is happening. Uh, and, and lastly, uh, we addressed also the need to consider uh, uh, to reconstitute the UN Special uh, Committee Against Apartheid. I mean, this committee was formed in 62 uh, by the General Assembly. Um, and uh, it was uh, mandated uh, and empowered to keep the racial policies of the government of South Africa, uh, to keep track of it, uh, report to the General Assembly. And it was um, deactivated in '94 after the uh, first elections in South uh, Africa. Uh, so we think, uh, following many things happening, um, including in the OPTs, or mainly in the OPTs, uh, it is worth uh, considering uh, reinstituting uh, and reactivating uh, this committee to follow up with uh, what is uh, happening uh, vis-a-vis Israeli policies uh, in this regard. Um, So yeah, I mean, there is definitely uh, an importance, I would say, even crucial. or in terms of international community, international bodies and international tribunals in this regard because uh, again, Israel is uh, uh, intending, aiming and insisting on uh, really closing in a very coherent way uh, the system in all of its branches, legislative, executive and judicial. Uh, in order to uh, maintain and deepen uh, its control and domination. Um, Again, the Palestinian-Israeli issue is international, and this is why we think uh, international involvement, and even more importantly now, uh, to hold Israel accountable, to try to change its policies, to grant Palestinians their right, It's, it's, it's becoming more and more crucial. In this regard, uh, before uh, uh, we see um, deterioration in uh, many aspects of Israeli policy, including, you know, oppression, domination, uh, force, which will cause people uh, their lives, their health. Uh, More Palestinians will lose their lands. Um, And again, we will reach to a point where. we cannot reverse uh, things. We're already at this point, but uh, it will get uh, much more in this regard.
0: Yeah, it could not be more urgent for international bodies to take up the call yes. um, Palestinians are issuing. Um, I'm sad we're going to have to stop there. There's so much more to discuss and um, with so much going on both in international bodies, the ICC, the ICJ, and on the ground with Annexation, and it's already been such a violent and deadly year for Palestinians living in the West Bank. Um, there's there's an unending amount to discuss, but I urge all of our listeners to follow Adela's work. You can visit their website, sign up from their newsletter, follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Um, you can do the same for FMEP. We will be posting resources for this podcast on our website at fmep.org. Um, along with a recording and a video um, recording of this conversation. Um, There's always more programming coming from FMAP. So please stay tuned. Thank you so, so much for joining me today, Suhad. Um, We appreciate your expertise and for the hard work of the entire adult staff um, to continue raising the alarm and documenting the realities and providing such crystal and clear analysis Um, in legal study of of what's happening on the ground. Um, So finally, as always, I want to remind our listeners to subscribe to this podcast. You can do so on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Spotify um, so that you won't miss any of our great content that we post every week. Um, With that, I'm going to sign off. I'm Kristen McCarthy with FMEP, and we will see you next time.